You are listening to the weekly podcast of Transformation Life Church in Muskegon, Michigan. We pray you enjoy today's message. Come on. How many are excited? Look at all of a sudden, it's really quiet in here. You know what? I, I was wrong about the Lions. They actually looked good the last half of the year. Now see that? That shouldn't even compare to the cheer we would give God in this place. Not saying they don't deserve a cheer. I mean, they do, right? I mean, we, how many have been like Lions fans forever and every year you say the same thing? Well, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. So we've become so conditioned with watching the Lions and saying maybe next year. I think it's, 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 it's moved into the church and we keep thinking that about God. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. It's not next year. It's this year. I, I'm just going to tell you that my expectation for what God has in store this year is tremendous. We had a short little meeting with some Jesus in the streets, Brett and, and Chris. And, and uh, listen, we have done some good things. God has done some good things. I, I think this church has done some good things for God. I think we've touched some lives. I think we've affected some lives. But I'm not satisfied with what we have done because I know what God has in store for us coming down the pike. And so I have expectation for that which is even greater than that which we've already experienced. How many can say amen to that? So we, we had a short little meeting and so, you know, we've been meeting on Monday nights. It's kind of been rotating. Sometimes they're in here praying. Sometimes they're out in the streets. It's a little chilly at this time of the year. So, you know, you got you to gotta kind of figure out how to do things. But, but we're talking about shifting this to some Saturdays. So maybe rotating like a Monday, Saturday, Monday, Saturday. And when we go out on Saturday, we're, we're talking about having some specific locations. Now, get a hold of this. Some specific locations that God's going to tell us where to go. But we're believing God to give us a plan ahead of time so we can have it planned and organized. Because I believe God can tell you in advance. And we can have it organized. And I just had a meeting with a great man that, that plays keyboard and does some, wor- uh, some wonderful stuff by himself. And we're going to have a worship team there. We're going to have a dunk tank. Th- not a dunk tank. We're going to have a baptismal tank. Sorry, they wanted a dunk tank for me, but I'm not doing I told them if they could get Pastor Kurt to get in the dunk tank, I'm all in favor. Bring it out. We're going to have a baptismal tank there. I'm believing 
in a move of God on the streets of Muskegon like we have never seen. I'm, talk, I'm talking about people having an encounter with God where, I mean, how many know there was a Smith Wigglesworth anointing on this earth? We might as well let that Smith Wigglesworth anointing come right on in here. We might as well let it be the anointing on our life that when we get on a bus, people just say, my God, I don't know what it is about you, but you convict me. Come on, conviction and condemnation are not the same thing. But I'm believing your Bible says that where it becomes dark, the light shines much brighter. So I look at them and they put up this joint over here and this joint over there and this joint over there. And the other day we were driving down the road with Vicki and I'm like, there's another one. Where'd that come from? There's more places to buy drugs you can get drugs quicker than you can get diapers. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but it don't make sense to me. I can't find diapers. I can't get any uh, eggs. But if I want to get a joint, man, and if I don't want anybody to know I'm smoking that, I can just get a gummy. And oh, by the way, don't think all this stuff's made into candy to get into the kids, because they would never do that. They would never do that. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm just, but when I look at it, you know, some people, they like, they like get all upset about it. I don't, I don't get upset. I say, Lord, thank you for bringing in darkness so that your light can shine so much more glorious. Thank you, God, for preparing the way of the Lord. Because when we don't need him, and we are good at creating a world where we don't need him, and when we don't need him, we just, we just go on in la-di-da. And we're comfortable, so it's okay, right? Because we're comfortable. Got enough money to get by. Maybe not a lot, but enough to get by. Car works, Right? The car don't work. You got a friend that'll help you. You just find a way around. We, it's funny how we can adapt to things that God have never intended for our lives, and we just adapt. In this year, in 2023, I said it's the year of war. War. Because it's time we got uncomfortable with the things of this world that God never intended for us to be part of. And uncomfortable with the things in our life that God never intended for us to have. I like how some preachers are like, well, you know, God brought COVID so that he could separate his church. Uh, excuse me, God has no sickness. He couldn't bring it. He might be using the devil's tactics that the world and the church was willing to grab a hold of for his glory and for his good. He might be using it to separate the chaff and the wheat. Do you know when chaff and wheat grow, when they're young, early plants 
and they put the seeds all in there, do you know that you can't tell the difference between a chaff and a wheat? You can't tell the difference. But when it grows up, and it gets into maturity, you can spot the difference. Let me give you a clue for a second. When people come in, quit trying to judge whether they're chaff or wheat. Because when they, when they mature, you will know. And we're not here to, to sort. That's God's job. So when, when they come in, we just look at them and we love them. And we believe that God can do anything. And we remember that we were yet a sinner. And Christ died for us before we accepted him. Because he came while we were yet a sinner. So what difference does that make if somebody's not living their life for Christ? Christ died for us when we weren't living his, our life for him. He died for them. And if they're not living for him, that's okay. We can still show them the love of God. We can still show them some grace. We can still show them, right? Because here's the thing. We're in a war, but we are not in a war against each other. And, and in this year, it is important that we're in unity. If you see somebody do something that you don't agree with, then pray for them. Uplift them to the Lord. Say, God, help them. Maybe if the door is open and you have a relationship, you can pray for them right with them. Maybe you got to pray for them in your prayer closet at home. I don't know which way that happens, but you'll find that out. But here's the thing. Your Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. See, we're used to a society where you can go to a bar, get drunk, beat each other up, and the next day be best friends but show up at church and all of a sudden be at each other because of some simple stuff. And we can't come into unity. My, my pastor says this. He says that the greatest unity is when the most amount of people can focus on the smallest point of agreement The greatest number of people focusing on the smallest point of agreement yields the greatest miracle. So there are some things, I have some beliefs that I have that may be different than what you have, whatever. But I have basic beliefs. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to squash the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, I'm nothing. Without the presence of God, I'm nothing. But I just want to encourage you that, listen, we got to come together in unity. And as we come together in unity, you may find out some stuff you didn't know. You'll learn. You'll be able to accept it in unity, right, with the right heart. I'm just believing God's going to do some things that we're not used to this year. And if we just get ourselves together and say, you know what? Maybe I don't understand something right now, but I'm, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to create an issue because I don't understand it. I'm going to ask God for understanding. Right? And then, and then I'm praying that God, on the things that God needs to teach us, that he'll, he'll show me how to teach so that we can get that understanding maybe a little quicker. But some things are just going to take some time. But let me just tell you this. God has a great plan, and the Holy Ghost is moving on the earth. The Holy Ghost is moving on the earth. And this is the hour of the church. This is the year. That's why we left them banners up there. I was thinking the other day I might get some banners made that look better because they're kind of tacky. But they're not in, you know, they're not up front. So There's one in the cafe, too, and that one's kind of tacky. Um. But that's just, I just want to, I just want to encourage you with that because there is a move of God in our midst. It's already here. Revival's not coming. Revival's here. Everything that's wrong in your life right now, God can fix. God's already created a way. God's already got the answer. And I believe that this is the greatest year you could ever walk in. Now, I'm not saying next year won't be greater, but let me just say this is the greatest year you have ever lived yet in your life. If you would just grab a hold of that, if you would just forget yesterday, you would know that today is starting right now is the greatest year of your life. If. You let God have his way. So I put the thing out there for war. Worship, advancing, advances, revival. Which, by the way, we're doing these Jesus in the Street shirts. We're also making a worship, advances, revival shirt. And so they're pretty cool. But when I was praying about this, Worship advances revival, war. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's why I say we shouldn't have to fight. Because it's not about flesh and blood. And even if somebody's doing something you don't agree with, it's not them that you got to worry about. It's the spirit that's trying to, to take them somewhere God doesn't want them to go. So if you learn to worship and you begin to war in a place of private, you may just find that your prayers, believe it or not, God can answer a prayer and do a better job than what we can do. Well, this is how we should deal with that. Yeah, you deal with that and create strife. You pray and let God deal with that and healing comes in. Worship. I made a slide and I never put it up there because this morning I got sidetracked. Worship. I was like, the three, I kind of adjusted, the three W's in war. Wish I'd have put that slide up. The three W's in war. 
worship. Word. Work. Worship, word, and work. And some of you are like, well, I like the first two. <laughs> but Jesus said this. He said, pray that the Father would send laborers. Because the field is ripe unto harvest. Worship, word, work. It says in Revelations 4.11, why do we worship God? I just want to start there. Why do we worship God? I mean, today we worship God. Thank you for taking that extra 10 minutes that took a half hour. Do you know the second half hour didn't seem as long as the first half hour? Did it? I'm different. I'm like a participation. I don't just preach at you. We're you didn't notice that, right? I mean, I know. I looked up and I was like, wow, it's already been a half hour. The first half hour seemed like 45 minutes. The second half hour seemed like 10 minutes. And I'm not, not, that's not a knock to the worship team, so don't, don't take it that. I'm just, using, I'm just using a point. The worship team did great. We've added a new face to the worship team. So Anna was up there. That's her first week up here with us. So you know what? We need worshipers. You know, you, sometimes I think I'm hard. Then I watch Pastor Rod, and I'm like, I'm easy going. Because he, he got up on the platform the other day, and he told everybody to start worshiping, and his ushers were doing their thing. And he said, if you can't worship as an usher, you can't be an usher. That's what he said. Where everybody heard him. I do a lot more when it's one-on-one. -on -one. Or smaller groups. But that's what he said. If you can't worship as an usher, you don't need to be an usher. That's where we're at today. If you can't worship, it's really hard to be in service. But we need you to be in service. We need you to be a servant and serving. Because listen, I, we already know where we're going. We we just working on the path to get where we're going because God's already told us where we're going. But that means we need workers. We need people in service. We need people that will give of themselves. And I'm telling you, you don't have the strength to give of yourself unless you spend time in worship and you get that strength from the throne room of heaven. Because your Bible says that joy is your strength, and in his presence is joy. In his presence is joy, unspeakable joy. And so 
we've got to, you know, I know some people are like, well, I really prefer you just preach the word. I, I'll preach the word. But sometimes it takes worship to open the heart. Psalms 50:23 says, "Whosoever offers praise glorifies me." Think about that. We were created to bring glory to the Father. That's why we're here. We're not here because he was lonely. We were created to glorify God, to bring glory to him. Adam was placed on this earth and given dominion so that he could show glory to God. And your Bible says in Psalms 50, 23, that whoever offers praises glorifies me. Praise God. We got to praise God. Revelation says why. Why do we pray? Revelations 4.11 says, Worthy are you, Lord, O God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things because of your will. They come to be and were created. All things. That job you got, he created it. That car you're driving, man, they may not want to admit it, but without God's inspiration, they would have never figured out how to make a car. You wouldn't have one today. The Wright brothers, do you think they learned how to fly? They didn't learn how to fly, but God gave them an unction. Man is only creative because they were created in the image and likeness of their God, who is a creator. And so the very nature of creation is in us because it is from God. And sometimes man goes around thinking, look what I'm doing. Even the Tower of Babel. I think we can build this to heaven. And we can rise up to the stars and we can get into being in the place of God. And God said, look at them. They're in so much unity, even without him. Think of what unity with him would do. That God looked down and said, man, there is nothing impossible to them. But their ability to create and build that tower was because they had an innate creative spirit inside of them called the Spirit of Almighty God. It's in every one of us because when you read Genesis 1.26, he says that he came down, he made everybody outside of what he spoke them into existence. Let there be, let there be, let there be. And then when it came to man, he said he come down and formed him with his own hands, out of the dust of the earth. He formed man. Then he breathed into him the breath of life. It's not that when man is not serving God that the breath of life is not in him. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not that because they're not serving God, the breath of life is not in him. It's because they don't let the breath of life, they don't let God have rulership in him. It's dead to them. It's dead to them. Not dead to God, dead to them. <coughs> but so when God, when he, when he comes in and he meets He meets a man or a woman, and he encounters them, and they open up to him. You know, the spirit that is in them is already connecting. That's why your Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Come on, think about it. Think about it. We have a spirit, a body, and a soul. The spirit is from God. It's in us. You can't look at another human being and say, well, you know, how do you look at somebody and not think they're worth something when you know they were created in the image and likeness of God? Every individual was created the same. Every individual has a spirit, a body, and a soul. The soul is the container of your mind, will, and emotion. But every person has that. And so when you look at somebody, there's spirit in them. That's why it says that nobody comes to the Father lest the spirit draws them. Try all you want. And listen, when we go out in the streets and buy chicken and do all the things we do, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and we're using it to get them to us. But when they get to us, it's the Spirit of God in us that has to connect with the Spirit in them to draw them to the Spirit of God. Because nobody comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. So if we ever think that we can do something good enough in our flesh to get it done, you are mistaken. but they're still valuable, even in their, if you want to say, wretched state. But if you would look in the mirror and see that you were wretched before you were saved, it wouldn't bother you. The church has made it so comfortable now that we think we make it to heaven because we're so good. Like we've earned our way there. need to buy a new computer because this thing just does not like to work anymore. It's getting kind of old. We have to live our lives in a way that pleases God. You ever think about that? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whatever you eat, or drink, or whatever you do. Do all 
to the glory of God. Is that crazy? I don't know about you, but I like eating. And I don't really think about whether that brings glory to God or not. I'm just being honest. Can I just be honest with you? You know, I mean, some of you might be super spiritual and, you know, you, you don't eat anything unless God told you to pick that and eat it or something. But I'm not there. I'm working on it. But I'm not there. I'm just saying food gets put in front of me and I'm like, hey. That looks good. Right? I've noticed in the last 10 days where I've done nothing but drink water, that Mountain Dew probably is not good for me. I'm just saying. I'm thinking like my joints don't hurt like they used to. In 10 days, I'm telling you, in 10 days, that's all it is, 10 days, my joint, I can get up out of a chair without my knees hurting. I can do things without everything hurting. I'm telling you, I feel like I'm coming alive in my body just from eliminating some stuff and drinking water. Now, I love lemons. I put lemons in it all. So it's lemon water. But I'm just saying, in 10 days, the change in how I feel to even move is crazy. And then we'll say things like, well, God, why don't you heal me? And God says, why don't you change what you do? Why, why don't you help me with the pains in my body? Why don't you stop putting stuff in it you shouldn't? I'm not a nutritionist, so I can't go down the list of what's right and wrong, but I'm just saying, these are things you You know, who thinks about whatever you eat, whatever you drink, and whatever you do? I'd rather just come to church and you can tell me how blessed I am and I can go home. I shouldn't be required to actually pay attention to the Word of God and listen to it. I should just, you know, just tell me I'm blessed. Let me go home because the Spirit of God will override all my dumbness. Listen, listen. <laughs> Can we edit that? <laughs> it's true, though. We, like, we do dumb stuff, and then we want God. God, help me out. Now, listen. God is there to protect you when something happens. Like, when something happens that you don't know about, God is there to protect you. you got to think about Paul. In Paul, when Paul was making a fire and everything, right, and a viper came up and bit him, and he shook it off into the fire, right? When he did that, God protected him. So God can protect you from things that you don't know about or things you are not aware of, and that's why we would pray over our food, and that's why we pray over our lives, and that's why we pray over the people we love, because God can protect through that prayer. But listen, if we make decisions to do something that is just plain dumb, and we know better, God is not about to override your will. He never has. He never will. So we have to live our life in a way that pleases God. And that includes every area of our life. We cannot separate Sunday morning is for pleasing God and the rest of the week I can do whatever I want. 
Here's one for work. We all love to talk about letting our light shine, right? We can sing the song, hide it under a bushel, oh no, I'm going to let my light shine. How's that song go? Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. <laughs> Won't let Satan throw it out, I'm going to let it shine. Say, don't let him on the worship team. But here, Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before man that they may see your good. See, God turned work to a, from not being a four-letter word. You just got to read it. You'll see it. Because a lot of people think work is a four-letter word. So it says, let your light so shine before man that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. Worship, word, work. That's the three W's of war. When we get our worship going, we get into his word, and we get to work. The Christians should be the most full of energy people on the face of this earth, and we should be ready to work. We should despise sitting around not doing anything because God's created you to create. You know, you can create your own business. I, like I was telling you last week about that other church in Texas that that guy started a church and in three years everybody that's going to his church has started their own business. I'm just think about that. Think about the life-changing atmosphere that they're in, that they all of a sudden got the faith to believe God that when he spoke to them, they could actually do what he said. You know, that's usually the case, is that we, don't, we, we hear it, but then we're like, I don't know. And the other part of it is we hear it, we don't know, and then when we realize it's going to take some work, we forget that the one that gave us the prompting, the one that put it in our heart to do that, that same God is going to be the strength and the energy and everything that we need to go and do whatever he's asked us to do. We're never doing it on our own. We're only doing it, well, I mean, we could do it on our own, but we can do it with him. Being the energy, being the source, being the strength, being the wisdom, being the knowledge, the five spirits of God dwelling on us and directing us. You may think it's crazy, but I say things like this over this church. There are certain, I, I won't use names, but there are certain things going on around here that I know what's going on in Muskegon. And I say to God, God, raise up this ministry to take that over so they, can, they don't have it. Worldly things. Not talking about our churches. Worldly things. 
they start doing goofy stuff. And it's like, that's wrong. And when I see it, God prompts in me, and I start to say, God, give me an avenue that I could raise up an army, that whatever you need done, we can do what they're doing wrong and do it for your glory and let the people rejoice. Because your word says when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, they mourn. And when the wicked rule, they start mixing the things of ungodliness, even when they're a supposed godly organization and they're mixing ungodly in there and people are mourning and i'm just like i'm just happen to be the one that says okay god bring me the people let me raise up a ministry that can take that over and let us do it to your glory let us not remove your presence let us not remove your spirit let us not remove the things of you to get it done but let you be the source how many know that it'd be great to go to a counselor that believes in praying? How many knows it'd be great to go to a doctor that believes in praying? How many know it would be great to go to a recovery that believes in praying? How many know it would be great to go to a school that the teachers aren't afraid to pray for their students? Right? You look at me like I'm crazy. Are you thinking I'm crazy yet? I believe it's coming. I believe it's coming. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and 25. You there? Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and 25. The God who made the world and all that is in it I think even the church has got to change its mind. It seems to think the devil's the creator of the world. The devil might be in charge of some world systems, but he didn't create the world and God never gave it to him. Your Bible still says that the earth is his footstool. It's still his. The Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in sanctuaries made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands because he needs anything. Think about that. You know, instead of saying God needs me, we just ought to say, I want to serve God. I know you don't need me, God, but could you use me? Could you just use me, God? I'd really love to be used by you. Because I know whatever you do, will be a blessing. I know whatever you have will be greater than I could ever think or imagine. I know what you have in store is magnificent. It's glorious. Could you use me? Because he doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything. Rather, it is he who gives to everyone life and breath and 
everything. Everything. Romans 12, 1. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Part of worship is exalting God, lifting up our praise, right? Not letting the rocks cry out for us, but opening up our voice and worshiping God. I believe that we need to become a church that is so much more willing to open up our mouth and worship God. I know some people say, and I used to, so don't, don't misunderstand me. I used to be really reserved. Actually, if you would have knew me in high school, I didn't hardly talk to anybody. I still played three sports a year, but I really wasn't that hang out, go to the party, do all this stuff. And when I decided to start going to parties, I figured I had to drink to fit in. So I know what, it, I know what that means. I spent a few years doing it. I was glad I wasn't an angry drunk, though. At least I was a happy drunk. I don't know if that makes me better. But I did. And then I did all them things. Here, try this. Okay. Well, I didn't like that. Try this one. Okay. Oh, try this. Okay. Whatever they asked me to try, I tried. Crazy. Crazy what you'd do to fit in. But here's what I've learned in God that I don't know who I am. So when somebody says to me, well, I don't know who I am, that's all right, neither did I. You may know who the world's fashioned you to be. You may know who you've turned out to be because of the circumstances of your surrounding environment. So you say, well, this is who I am. No, that's not who you are. That's who the world's created you to be, but who God created you to be is deeper. And he wants to take that which he created you to be and bring it to the forefront in all of the things that the enemy and the world has done to try to conform your life. He wants to break it off so you can be your real true self. And you regardless of what anybody else says or regardless of what you even think, you were created a worshiper. You were created to have freedom in the presence of God. Say, well, I, I'm more like I just sit here and I'm quiet. Yeah, that's how you have become. But God wants to bring you to another place in Him where there's greater freedom. I believe that with all my heart. I know He did it for me. And there's still more freedom yet in me that He wants to do. And I think He wants to do more freedom in this place. Because when we're free to worship God, 
without the constraints of our mind. And sometimes the constraints of our body. Then we can worship God in more freedom. Now, I'm not saying you always have to shout or you always have to this or that. You don't always have to do anything. But what you have to do is be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit tells you to shout, you shout because you're free to shout. Not because somebody told you to shout. Now, there's times I tell you to shout because I'm trying to break you into a place of freedom. There's a reason for it. I try my hardest not to just do things for myself. I only try to do, and I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I try to do whatever I try to do, I try to do under the unction of the Holy Ghost. So if I say shout, it's because I believe God's trying to break some things and he wants you to shout. Not because I think shouting makes us great. But I do believe that it breaks off hindrances in our life. And whenever we can break off hindrances in our life and can walk under the unction of the Holy Ghost, the greater we are for God on this earth. Because we all want to, I mean, if I took a poll, we'd all say, yeah, God, I want to serve you. Yeah, God, I'll do whatever you say. Until God says to do something, and then you're like, eh, I don't know about that. And if you think that I'm making that up, you just got to look at the Bible. There was a prophet who slaughtered <clears throat> all of the prophets of Baal. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be celebrating. I'd be jumping. Look how great God is. You know what can happen? Is we start looking at how great we are because God came down with fire and then consumed, and all of the prophets of Baal were, were slaughtered, and he was and he exalted the man of God. And all of a sudden, the man of God, all of a sudden, instead of celebrating, he's running for his life in fear. Do you know there's only two? This is true. Psychology. Your mind. There's only two emotions that are key to every emotion you live in. One is love and one is fear. Every other emotion is tied to either love or fear. Every emotion. So when you know that God is love and if we are in him and he is in us, and his love abides in us, and his word says perfect love cast out fear, then we can do anything. But when we separate ourselves because we're not sure, don't look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. When we're not sure God's going to do what he said, then fear comes in and fear paralyzes and fear brings anxiety and fear brings stress and fear brings all these other sadness and sickness into your body because your most of the sicknesses we deal with today are directly related to the endorphins and the function of your body based on your emotion. Yeah, let a doctor tell you that, but we know it's true. 
Do you know they say when you are so afraid that you get these things in your body called free radicals that'll go crazy in you, and the next thing you know, you got cancerous cells coming alive. I wonder why sickness is so prevalent today after locking everybody in the house for over a year and then still telling them today, I don't know if I'd have a, I mean, we just went out there. I don't know if you should have family gatherings for Christmas this year. This year. Like, still? The enemy has that one down pat. He knows if he can get us in fear, then we can't walk in God's perfect love. And when we're not walking in God's perfect love, we can't do anything. I don't even feel like I've touched on anything I got down here. I'm already running out of time. First Peter 2.9 says this. You need to grab a hold of this. It's for everybody in this room. Just look at the person next to you and say, this is for you. You are a chosen people. Say, thank God. I'm chosen. Don't worry about what happened last year. Don't worry about what happened last week. Don't worry about what happened yesterday. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Glory, glory, out of darkness into his wonderful light. Come on, if that don't cause you to shout, I don't know what would. Out of darkness into his glorious light. Hmm. Do you know uh, the main part of our calling is to declare that God is worthy? He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy. And there's so many stories in the Bible where we can read about where praises destroyed the enemies around the Israelites where praises tore down walls that separated them from the promised land. Come on. Praises. Worship. I guess I'll get more into word later and more into work later. But I'm telling you, worship has got to become a foundation in our walk, a foundation in this ministry, 
a foundation in everything we do. I'm looking forward to it because I know now we're talking about doing, like I started talking about Jesus in the streets. We're talking about having prayer teams go out before we do. Come on, when are we going to get real? When are we going to get so committed to destroying the works of darkness? When are we going to get so committed that we'll go and do what God's called us to do? Say, I don't know how to do that. That's okay. You know what? Moses didn't know how to set the Israelites free either. Do you know that? God called him and he made all kinds of excuses. And he made enough of them that God finally looked at him and said, listen, I can kill you or you can go do what I say. Is that true? Is that in the Bible? It is. I'm not saying God will say I'm going to kill you, but you know what? You don't. You don't get into what God's doing. You may just die slowly. And 20 years from now, you'll say, whatever happened to my life, I had so many hopes and dreams. Whatever happened to me, I just never thought I'd be like this. I've already said that stuff. Whatever happened when I was 21 years old and I thought, man, I'm going to do all this. And 20 years later, it's God says, because that wasn't what I called you for. And I spent 20 years, actually 30. I spent, don't calculate how old I am. I spent 30, I haven't grown up yet, so it really doesn't matter what my age is. Just ask my wife. I spent 30 years doing stuff that I thought was to create what God needed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm using the right word. I spent 30 years trying to create something that I thought God needed for his kingdom. And God's saying, that's not what I created you for. I thought I was doing a good thing. I thought, man, God, you can... You can use me to create. I couldn't wait to have a company that dominated the whole Midwest. And at one time, we were getting pretty close. All I know is I worked seven days a week. Never knew when I wasn't working. People come in and say, I'm working 50 hours a week, and how many hours do you work? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know when the clock starts, and I don't know when it stops. I'm, I don't know. Go to church on Sunday morning. Oh, sorry, got to leave. Honey, I'll see you later. We used to have to drive separate because I never knew if I could stay for the whole church service. I got to go deal something at the office. I got to go deal with this over here. All the time, God said, this is what I created you for. In all of the dreams and all of the vision and all of the things that were in you, 
they weren't based on your work. They're based on mine. And I'm just wondering who's in this place right now that's willing to become a true worshiper. Your Bible says that there's coming a day that the worshipers will have to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so I just wonder who in here would become a true worshiper and let God shift everything in your life. I'm not telling you to go quit your job tomorrow. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he will shift everything in your life. You may quit your job tomorrow. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying when you become that true worshiper and you're in the presence of God, God will show you what you're doing for you to justify who you are in God and what you're doing for God for his love because you love him. Come on, so we don't, don't deny we don't do things to try to justify we're worth something to God. God already thinks a lot of you. He thinks everything of you. He loved you when you were nothing. He doesn't need you to do something for him to love you. But what he wants you to do is stop doing things so that he accepts you and he loves you more, but start doing things because you love him and start doing what he wants you to do. I feel... I feel God has said we were in a shift. He's been saying he's shifting us. He's shifting us. I believe we're in the biggest season of being shifted right now. Right now. The biggest season of shift right now. I can't even explain it. But I know God can put it in you so you understand it. At least you'll have the love of God in you enough to walk through it without fear. Because that which we're looking at today, we won't recognize even six months from now. We won't recognize it six months from now. The things going on in your life, if you would just shift to a place of worship, and if you would just let him take over, if you would just let him be a part, you won't even recognize where you're at today in your life six months from now. You'll look back and think it was 10 years ago that that's what was going on. And it was only six months ago because God's, God's a God of suddenly. Forty years in captivity, they were released in days. 40 years transitioned in days. No matter how long you've been where you are today, no matter how much fighting and, and wrestling you're into right now, no matter what's going on right now, the, God's making a shift that will be a suddenly, and I am guaranteeing you, as sure as I'm standing in front of you right now, that if you would yield yourself to the Spirit of, the Spirit of God and worship, 
you will not even recognize your life six months from now. Come on, stand with me. I'm sorry, I'm just asking God for wisdom because I, I don't know how to I don't know how to get I don't know if I can get this across. I have never felt in my life more sure of what I'm saying than I'm what I'm saying right now. I know this. Satan comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. And let me just say this. I have seen the attempts of him trying to come in here and kill, steal, and destroy. But here's one thing I know. He has not won. He has not. He has not won. There's a spiritual battle over this place. I know some of the people have been reading this book. Doorkeepers of Revival. I started reading the book as well. There's a... Uh, it's powerful when you start to realize how you have to fight for a spirit of revival. I'm asking you in this room right now to let God shift you. I know sometimes, you know, we, we pray for people and we pray for needs and I I just want to give God the glory. Do you know we prayed for Brian and he's been having all kinds of issues. Can I share? Is that all right? So he, we've been praying for him and he's had toes removed. He's going in for surgery, but this kind of surgery is a skin graft to put the skin back on the bottom of his foot so he can walk again. 
because the infection that's been eating him up has somehow, by the grace of God and the power of his Holy Spirit, been brought to a stop. I need you. This isn't, this isn't what I planned. This is not what I had planned today. I need you. I need every one of you. Because we are doorkeepers of revival. I don't care what the world looks like. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what people say. I don't care if they post on my Facebook that I need to know Jesus. Actually, they post on the Facebook and tell me Jesus is not the Son of God, and I just say whatever. I don't care. I need you to come in where we're in agreement, so tight in agreement, that we will hold the door of revival in Muskegon, no matter what it looks like, no matter what's going on, no matter what's going on in your life. Can I give you a clue? When you worship God and give Him everything, He already has His eye on you. And He knows what your need is before you ask it. And you know you can just be in his presence and he can take care of things you didn't even ask him to do because he'll just say you know what i appreciate your heart i love your love for me i am so thankful you're pouring out your worship to me that you're letting me be the lord of your life that i'll just take care of that in all of the prayers that you've ever prayed he'll never forget so I'm just asking you right now, lift your hands. Some of you are new in here right now, and some of you are probably like, I, I don't know if I'm, what I'm really doing, but I'm just saying to you right now, if you want to become part of a move of God that brings revival to a city and to a state, All we have to do is shift our priorities from inward looking at poor me to outward looking at how great God is. And as we do that, God, through His generous and gracious and gentle mercy, pours into us all the strength we need to overcome every situation and circumstance that's working in your life against you right now. And I'm asking you to cry out for revival. One can put a thousand to flight. Two, ten thousand. I don't know how many are in this room, but I know it's more than two. Cry out for revival. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.